Have you ever noticed how all of the beloved stories that we grew up with usually start in a place of simple innocence, joy, beauty, but the, but the epic stories, the, the famous stories, the big stories, it seems like that state of innocence quickly changes, quickly conflict is introduced into the story, and what started out so good quickly turns bad, and you're not sure what the outcome will be. Here's just a few examples. I mean, what could be more perfect than King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table and Camelot until his wife Guinevere develops a thing for Sir Lancelot? Or what could be more joyful than a young Harry Potter discovering that he can do magic and he's been invited to this great school, Hogwarts, until he finds out about the evil Voldemort who killed his parents and gave him that famous lightning bolt on his forehead? Or what about Peter, Susan, and Edmund who, who climb through a magical wardrobe to, to end up in the, the incredible land of Narnia, only to discover it's ruled by a white witch? What could be more tranquil, more, more peaceful than Frodo living in the Shire? until he discovers there's a growing darkness and a ring that must be destroyed. Or what about the beautiful Snow White, the fairest of them all, who ends up having a jealous stepmother who despises her for her beauty? Or what about a young Skywalker content to farm on the planet of Tatooine until stormtroopers are sent by Darth Vader to kill his parents. Or here's one more that you may have heard of, a, a young couple deeply in love, living in this beautiful garden. Everything is perfect, it's paradise, until this evil snake slithers into the scene, de deceiving the, the young couple. They end up disobeying their God, and the story quickly goes downhill. You, you know who I'm talking about, Adam and Eve. Well, Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. They have two sons, Cain and Abel, and before long, Cain kills Abel in jealous rage. We're just four chapters into the Bible, and there's already murder. Just a couple more chapters, and we discover that things have gotten so bad that there is so much violence on the earth that God regrets that he even created us. And so God finds the only righteous man that he can, Noah, tells him to build an ark and fill it with animals and to bring his family on board when God then floods the earth, destroying everything that God had originally made. Quickly, you see, this story goes from bad to worse. It's not the innocence that we started with. By the time you get to Genesis chapter 11, things have gotten really bad. After the flood, the, the earth has been repopulated, but it's as bad as it was before. Humans are just as evil as they were before the flood. And it says in chapter 11 that the people of the earth have moved east. It's 
an interesting reference. Anytime you see the word east in the book of Genesis, it, it's a reference to people moving further and further and further away from God. Remember, when God removed Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, he made them leave out the east gate. You've probably heard of the novel, East of Eden. When, when Cain was sent away to wander the earth, he was sent east. That, that appears actually over and over, at least through the book of Genesis. And certainly people have been moving east from God ever since. Well, then comes today's story. Genesis 11, 1 through 4, all people on the earth had one language and the same words. When they traveled east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them hard. They used bricks for stones and asphalt for mortar. They said, come, let's build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. And let's make a name for ourselves so that we won't be dispersed over all the earth. Now we live in a city, so the, the reference to a city may not be obvious, but it's meant to stand in contrast to the perfect garden that God had intended for us to live in. Now, on first glance, this story seems rather practical. All the people say, let's, let's build a city so that we can all be together. We can all live together so that we won't be dispersed over all the earth. I mean, what could be wrong with that? Especially during the season of social distancing. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we most crave? Togetherness? Community? Connection? Why would God have a problem with that? You see, the issue isn't that they want to be together. There's another issue at stake. There's another motive. They want to build a tower that reaches to the heavens. They want to make a name for themselves. In fact, that's exactly what it says. Let's make a name for ourselves. This, this tower that they're going to build will be the greatest, largest structure the earth has ever seen. It will reach all the way, they think, right to God's front door. Well, if you can reach heaven on your own, then that must make you a god. And hasn't that always been human's temptation? Isn't that what the snake said to Adam and Eve? If you eat the forbidden fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You may have noticed in the reading this morning that there is no reference to God in the planning of the city. The humans don't even consult God. They don't pray about it. They, they don't wonder if this is what God would want them to do. They say, let's build a city so that we can have a tower to heaven, so that we can make a name for ourselves. Who needs a God if you can get to heaven all by yourself? Now, of course, this isn't the only structure of its kind that's been built for human glory. The pharaohs of Egypt, the kings of the Mayan and Aztec empires had pyramids built to their own glory. 
the, the kings and queens of Europe had castles and palaces built to their glory. There are universities and colleges all around the United States named after business tycoons who, who paid for it, uh, Vanderbilts and Dukes. We can all think of buildings, towers, mansions that have been built in the name of people they glorify, Biltmores, Rockefellers, and some of them are even named after somebody named Trump. Each one, each building throughout history, starting with the Tower of Babel, were monuments built for the benefit of some human's reputation, some human's fame. And if you study them historically, too often they haven't been for everyone. Most often these building projects benefit the few at the cost of the many. I just want you to imagine for a moment the scenario of Genesis 11 and the building of this city, this building of a tower to heaven, this building of a great name for these people. Imagine individuals or families or groups or nations self-motivated to accumulate wealth, power, influence, fame, in pursuit of godlike status, all the while ignoring the one true God. Can you imagine it? Unfortunately, it's probably not too hard. The story comes to its first reference to God in verse 5. It says, Then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the humans built. And the Lord said, There is now one people, and they have one language. This is what they have begun to do, and now all that they plan to do will be possible for them. Come, let's go down and mix up their language there, so they won't understand each other's language. Then the Lord dispersed them from where there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is named Babel, because there the Lord mixed up the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over all the earth. There's no question that humans have and will create incredible things, that that humans have been gifted by God to do amazing things technologically, scientifically, uh, with medicine, uh, with culture. In every generation, there have been new advancements, and thank God for it. Who, who of us don't appreciate the, the discoveries, the, the genius that has led to so many of the things that make our lives possible? Who of us aren't praying for the scientists and doctors who are currently looking for a cure for COVID-19? There's no question that God has gifted us with amazing, remarkable abilities to achieve amazing, remarkable things. Now, it should also be said that our ability to do amazing things has also been used in highly destructive ways. The problem with our amazing abilities, with our capacity for advancement, is that way too often, 
after we've used the gifts that God has given us, we claim the responsibility. We claim the achievement for ourselves, taking the glory and leaving God out of the equation. Too often it's about making a name for ourselves rather than glorifying the name of God. And often the, the achievement of the few is done at the expense of the many. Now here's a funny thing I think about this story of the Tower of Babel. If, if God didn't like the tower, why didn't God just knock it down? God created the earth. He could have created an earthquake to, to shake it down. As we've seen this week, Hurricane Laura coming ashore. God could have sent a, a hurricane in to blow the tower down. But that's not what God does. God doesn't enter this story with destructive force. God does something none of us would ever have guessed. The Lord said, there is now one people, and they all have one language. This is what they've begun to do. And now that all that they plan to do will be possible for them. Come, let's go down and mix up their language so they won't understand each other's language. Now, if you don't understand the, the nature of God, if you don't understand how, uh, what God is trying to do in this story, if, if you don't understand God's character, you might read this and think, wow, God seems a little insecure. Now the humans can do anything that, that seems to bother God. And especially if you just look at God's solution, I'll change their language the way they can't communicate. Well, that just seems like a, a deity playing tricks. And I think there's more to the story. I think that's a misreading of the text. The God who created the heavens and the earth certainly is not insecure. The creator of the universe certainly is not troubled by humans' ability to build a, a tower to the heavens. And in fact, this great tower of theirs wasn't quite great enough. I particularly like how it says, the Lord came down to see the tower that they had made. I, I have this image that the builders of the tower are standing down at ground level and they're looking up at the sky at their great achievement, patting each other on the back. Look what we did. We're almost all the way to heaven. And God is in heaven looking down thinking, what is that? God can barely see it. God comes down to see what, what humans think is a great achievement. God isn't troubled that humans are becoming godlike rather god sees humans desire to be godlike the humans become motivated not to love and know and honor and serve god but to love and honor and serve themselves and disregard god completely god knows that if they accomplish this even though God had to come all the way from heaven to see it. What could be next? What would be the end of their pursuits, their godless 
pursuits. And so God introduces this, this unexpected solution. God doesn't knock down the tower. God doesn't wash it away. God doesn't set it on fire. God gives all of them a different language. The, the workers, imagine that. The workers now can't communicate. The ones mixing the cement and the ones carrying the lumber, they, they can't get it together because they can't explain to each other what needs to happen next. I wonder if you've ever been to a, an ethnic restaurant and tried to order from a menu in, in a language that you don't know, maybe with a waiter or waitress who speaks a language that, that you don't speak. It can be an adventure. Or if you've ever been in a, a foreign land and needing to ask directions in a, in a language you don't know, it's easy to get lost. I think the story is, is easily misunderstood. Why would God play tricks like changing everybody's language? Why, what, what kind of God is this? I think it helps to think about why this story is in the Bible and how it might have originally been shared. You see, long before the Bible was written in the form that we have it, these were oral stories told around campfires, passed on orally from generation to generation. Long before they were put in book form, these were stories that were repeated probably when certain situations happened and people were trying to figure out why is the world the way it is and why did God create the world the way it is. So, so let me give you a, a possible scenario. Imagine that you're a, a, a Jewish merchant and, and you have been in negotiation all day with a, a merchant from another country who doesn't speak your language. And you're trying to sell camels, and he's trying to sell goats, and, and all day you've been trying to work it out, and finally you're just frustrated and no deal is made. And so that night as you're sitting around the, the fire, frustrated that the deal has been lost, maybe a young person says, if God made everybody, why do we speak different languages? Why, why didn't God just give us all the same language? And all eyes turn to the, the wisest of the tradesmen, the, the, the senior who always tells the stories. Oh, there's a reason we don't speak the same languages. It's because people in the past tried to build a great city and a great tower to heaven and to make a great name for themselves. And so God gave them different languages so they couldn't finish the tower. You always have to ask in these stories, what's the reason the story was told? What answer is it trying to provide? The issue here in this story is why are there so many languages that lead to so many challenges as nations try to coexist with other nations, as, as people try to interact with other people? We all understand this, that, that there are often times are conflicts between people of different language, people of different culture, people of different ethnicities. That's what this story is trying to address. And why are we in such 
difficult times, as we interact with people who are different than ourselves, oh, it all goes back to the fall. It started with Adam and Eve disobeying with God. It started as people started traveling east. It, it finally culminated in, in people trying to build a great tower to heaven to make a great name for themselves. That's how we ended up in this mess. Now, one further point. The differences that we have as humans, language is one of those differences, but skin color, cultural differences, uh, ethnic backgrounds, these differences are not inherently bad. That God caused people to speak different languages was not a curse. God doesn't do evil work. Ethnic diversity is not a curse. This isn't a story about God doing something wrong or or tricky. This is a story about humans trying to make gods of themselves. If you need somebody to blame in this story, blame it on the humans. Blame it on us, not God. There's no question. Cultural differences, lingual differences, ethnic differences can be challenging. They can lead to conflict. They have through all of human history. Sometimes they result in in prejudice and racism, negative stereotyping. If you watch the news this week, you've seen the latest report of of a young black man shot by a white police officer and the, and the riots that have followed leading to more death and destruction. Reminders again of the, the deep, painful, historic divides that exist within our own country between people of different backgrounds and different ethnicities. Let's be clear. God created different languages to thwart human pursuits of grandeur. But God did not create racism. God did not create prejudice. God did not create hate or violence. Those are human constructs. And isn't it interesting how these two things go together? Here we have a story of humans trying to build a great tower to heaven to become gods, to make a great name for themselves. Well, how often in human history has that been done at the expense of others? Our own history of racism originates in slavery. And isn't that exactly what this story is all about? People building great lives, plantations, wealth at the expense, the dehumanization of others. And we're still living in that legacy of human brokenness and sin. The same legacy we read about in the opening chapters of the Bible. Lisa Sharon Harper writes, ethnicity is biblical. Ethnicity is created by God as people groups move together through space and time. It's not about power. Race is about power. Race is a political construct created by humans to determine who can exercise power. 
and who can't. The point of the story of the Tower of Babel is to remind us, the reason it's in the Bible is to remind us of how deeply broken humans are and the brokenness that exists along racial lines and of how just how far we've traveled east of Eden, the life that God intended, and the inevitable resulting conflict between humans and God and humans and one another. It might be hard to relate to a story like the Tower of Babel at first glance. Maybe you literally haven't tried to build your tower to heaven. But if you take a moment to think about the story, haven't we all tried to build our own Tower of Babel? Haven't we all tried to create a name for ourselves? Haven't we all tried to lean into our own achievements? often leaving God out of the equation. The reason we tell these stories is because they're our story. The story of Adam and Eve is our story. The story of Cain and Abel is our story. The story of the Tower of Babel is our story. Jamar Tisby writes, as Christians, when we read the Bible, we recognize that events that happened thousands of years ago are still relevant today. We also see that Scripture never hides the ugly parts of history when it comes to the people of God. The truth about humanity's heritage turns a mirror on our souls and pushes us to recognize who we truly are and who we are not. Who are we? Fallen sinners who like to play God. Who aren't we? God. You and I, as great as we might be, as, as grand as our achievements might be, are not God. Only God is God.